JT Bumps Only on a Friday drive with Sawyer Dillon filling in. And we kick off a football Friday with more tough breaks for the Carolina Panthers. The injury report's out for Sunday's game in L.A. Two Pro Bowl linemen are on it. Left tackle Russell Okun's questionable to play against his former team. And K.K. Short is doubtful after missing last week's game in Tampa. This is why the Panthers aren't going to win this weekend. And it's likely not going to be close. The Chargers, they're going to dominate and push around the Panthers up front. And look, I understand this is the least sexy way to preview this game because most of you don't really care about line play or especially don't want to hear about line play. But I encourage you on Sunday to stop watching the ball when you're watching the game for maybe one full series. Just look at what's happening at the line of scrimmage. Odds are the replay will tell you where the ball's going. It's a it's a different way to watch football, but it gives you a different understanding for what you're seeing. And I think what you're going to see is the LA Chargers having their way with this Panthers front line. I've been saying this since May, that this team could not survive attrition up front. Other than quarterback, this is the thinnest spot that they have. This is their biggest weakness. Carolina, they're not going to have Dennis Daly as well. He's doubtful. So we're looking at a situation where Carolina isn't going to have their starting left tackle or left guard. The entire left side of that line is going to be replaced with, with reserves who I have no clue what to expect when they step on the field. K.K. Short and Russell Okun, they're two of the most important players on this team. I think they're more important than Christian McCaffrey because even though McCaffrey can't go, which is getting the most attention this week, you can replicate that with creative play calling, with a creative coordinator like Joe Brady. And I think the offensive numbers, if you're a fantasy football guy, it's going to actually exceed your expectations. Mike Davis catching screens, Mike Davis being used creatively, some trick plays, maybe some Curtis Samuel, Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's gonna be I think he's gonna be better in terms of how well he takes care of the ball. I'd be surprised if he gets the 370 yards again. But the Chargers front seven is much more devastating in my mind than the Buccaneers. Think about it. Up front, they got Joey Bosa and they had Melvin Ingram. I don't know how Carolina's gonna stop those two. There, there was nobody on the Tampa Bay D-line I was that concerned with. Shaq Barrett, he's kind of a stand-up outside linebacker. He's an edge. But no one on the D-line I was fearful for. I'm not at this point that scared of Ndamukong Sue, with all due respect to him. I don't want him hearing me say bad things about him, or else he might kick me in the side of the head. Linval Joseph, he a pirate. He is West Coast KK Short. Got a lot of guaranteed money from the Vikings. Really good at pushing the pocket. He doesn't get a lot of credit because what he does doesn't often show up on the stat sheet. But with that guy at the center of the D-line and Bosa and Ingram on either side, good luck. They also have better corners than Tampa Bay did. I really like Chris Harris Jr., who you might remember from that Broncos defense that stymied the Panthers in Super Bowl 50. I see no way Carolina puts pressure on Justin Herbert. Herbert, he might make a mistake or two because this is the first full week that a team's game planning for him, but you got Brian Balaga at right tackle. He's questionable to play, but he got limited work at practice, unlike the guys I'm mentioning with Carolina. 
So I expect him to go. On that right side as well, Trey Turner, who you might remember, a pro bowler from the Panthers, he was involved in the Okun trade. They understand the tendencies Carolina has. Also, the Chargers don't get enough credit for the weapons they have. Goodness, you got Greensboro native Keenan Allen, who just got paid. Hunter Henry at tight end, who's expected to go. Mike Williams, who you might remember watching at Clemson. Then there's Austin Eckler, who I think, outside of McCaffrey, is probably the best pass-catching running back in the NFL. When you boil this all together, I think it's a Chargers win. I think they beat Carolina 28-16. Speaking of Eckler, though, I brought him up to Matt Rule a few hours ago. Also, this is the first weekend that his Baylor Bears from last year are going to be in action. I think they're playing Kansas tomorrow. So I brought both those things up to Matt Rule a short while ago, and here's how that sounded. How much does Austin Eckler remind you of what you have in your building with Christian? Well, you know, I think Eckler's an outstanding back. Um, you know, I love his ability to not only break tackles, but make people miss. Um, he's a factor in the screen game. He, he's a matchup issue, you know, in terms of uh, who you put on him. Some of your zone pressures, you know, if a, a chance a defensive end could be on him. Um, so, you know, he, you have to constantly account for him. Um, and I love the way that he plays. He plays with passion and energy and toughness. So I, I think uh, – I think he's a special player, and and you really saw last week them them turn to him and um, him 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 respond uh, the last two weeks. Are you going to try with the road trip and all to keep an eye on your Baylor Bears tomorrow? Uh, I, I doubt that I'll have much chance to watch um, Baylor play. Um, as I was walking over here this morning, one of the players called me, had named captain for the game. So obviously, I wish them nothing but the best. Um, those are those are fantastic, fantastic young men, and. A, Great program, so I, w- I wish Coach Aranda and, and those guys the best. Baylor, a 17.5-point favorite against Kansas. That was one I was strongly looking at. Eh, maybe laying the points there, laying them and laugh, but it goes against our core principles, Sawyer. Going with dogs and also pounding the over. I don't like laying points, so I'm not going to do that with Baylor, even though I think they're going to win by a ton. Even though we haven't seen Baylor yet, we have seen Kansas. And Kansas is losing to Coastal Carolina. So I think Baylor's going to win that game by a ton tomorrow. I do have my best bets after a horrific weekend last week. 0-5. Worst weekend we've ever had. I think it's the only time we've ever gone 0-5. We're going to bounce back in 10 minutes. Do you want a little teaser here? You want one of my picks that I'm going to reveal in 10 minutes right now? Kind of like a Christmas present early? Uh, I'm not a big fan of Christmas presents, but it's best bets, which is better. So give me. You don't at least like one. Christmas presents? Not early. I like them oh, all. You Christmas. never opened up Christmas presents the night before Christmas. Like you got never. one. Mm-mm. Oh, I always did that as a kid. You got one present the night before. Just a little teaser. It's never the best present, but you know it's the night before and it gets you excited for Christmas morning. Anyway, NC State is going to Virginia Tech tomorrow. First game for the Hokies. Also, tomorrow is the first game for the Virginia Cavaliers. They're going up against Duke. I expect NC State to win in Blacksburg. Win outright. They are six-and-a-half-point dogs here. Here's why I like the pack. They ran the ball well against Wake. That's something they didn't do last year. Even though they had good personnel, Ricky Person Jr., Bam Knight, they, they didn't run the ball. Person and Bam 
They combined for nearly 200 yards against Wake Forest. I know because I was there. They went for 270, NC State collectively. The last time we saw Virginia Tech play, they allowed close to 350 yards against Kentucky. So I think NC State's going to be able to run the ball. I also have a feeling on who NC State's going to have tomorrow. I have no clue for Virginia Tech. And it sounds like, based on the way Justin Fuente's been talking about this subject during the week, there are probably going to be some key players unavailable for Tech. I don't know why they're a preseason top 25 team. It doesn't make much sense to me. I'm not that high on Virginia Tech. I'm not that high on Justin Fuente. Going into the year in the pre-COVID world, we viewed NC State and Virginia Tech as the, the schools most likely to maybe let go of their coach if they didn't have a bad year, or if they did have a bad year, Dave Doran and Justin Fuente. I don't think any of them are in danger of losing their jobs now because I don't think many athletic departments have the capital, you know, have the facilities, huh, huh, to try and make a move like that, to try and pay out these lofty buyouts. So I think both coaches are secure for that. I just think Dave Doran's a better coach than Justin Fuente. I thought NC State was going to bounce back this year before we learned they're essentially in the Coastal Division now. They don't have to play Clemson. I think NC State is going to win this football game outright in Blacksburg. So I love having NC State plus the six and a half. I think they'll win the game outright. Bailey Hockman, I'm interested to see who's going to start at quarterback. He was really good against the Pack 16 or against uh, Wake Forest. He was 16 to 23 on the game. Devin Leary, he could be even better than that. So, yeah, that's the first pick I'm going to reveal today. Just a little tease, you know, the day before Christmas. Sawyer doesn't open up presents the day before, but I do. That's what we're about here. NC State plus the points. All right. So that's one of my picks. After my worst week ever, I'm going back to the basics. As I mentioned, the core principles that we have. And I have four more picks that I'm feeling great about. It is a football Friday edition of The Drive. After that, we'll catch up with Joe Person, Panthers insider, longtime reporter for The Athletic. My best bets, though, are next. After going 0-5 last week, which is the only time that's happened with the bets, we're going back to the basics, you guys. My core principles, to steal the cliche, are two things. Pound the underdogs and pound the overs. We don't really deal that often in laying points. We're also going with some of the unders because rooting for unders is rooting against fun. Laying points is usually dicey. So I've got five bets here, five on this piece of paper that are bound to get us back in the plus column on the season. We're now six and seven. We're under 500. I don't know the last time we were under 500. I think at some point we were under 500 last year. And I'm going to be honest, Sawyer, looking at this weekend spread, I hate all the NFL lines, all of them. I see landmines everywhere. Chargers laying six and a half against the Panthers. I think the Chargers will cover that. But then again, that's still a lot of points with Justin Herbert playing quarterback. Uh, that's the only one I thought about potentially touching there. 
Also, I took a quick look, just a you know little peek elsewhere in the NFL at the Vegas Patriots over 47 and a half there. I like that a little bit, but no dice. These are the five that I like. Let's dive right into the best bats. Your attention, please. Please do not turn off your radio. Why? All right, Sawyer. You know what the SEC says about the way they follow football? How they want to follow football. It just means more. And for this weekend, it does feel like for the first time college football is happening in 2020. I know we've had college football in the past, but we in the ACC haven't had any of the schools in Virginia play. The SEC, as much as you're annoyed by them, it doesn't feel like college football unless the SEC is playing, and we're going to get that this weekend. And that's where I'm beginning. In South Kakalaki, Columbia, the Gamecocks under Will Muschamp, a really important year here for Coach Muschamp, are getting three and a half against Tennessee. A lot of hype for the Volunteers. Preseason top 20. I'm being told this is the year Jeremy Pruitt breaks through. How many times have we heard this in Knoxville? They have a ton of fans. I love their fan base. But just really worried because it's been a strange year. Jeremy Pruitt gets the extension yesterday. They haven't really done much under him yet except just build hype, done some things on the recruiting trail. Meanwhile, South Kakalaki, Carolina here, you got Mike Bobo running things as the OC. That's his actual name, Sawyer. Really good as George's OC. Then he went to Colorado State, not as great as a head coach, but he's back as a coordinator. I like what they're doing at quarterback, making some changes there. And remember... South Carolina's allowing 19,000 fans to this game, just like Clemson did last weekend, and it worked well. They were able to spread everybody out. I think South Carolina wins this game outright. I think it's going to be a surprise in the SEC. I like the Gamecocks outright. I love that I'm getting three and some change here. Uh, That's my first bet. Put some money on it. Kentucky. Yes, the Wildcats getting seven and a hook against Auburn. This is another example of Kentucky getting a lot of players back. I believe they're really good. Auburn losing some guys, including Derrick Brown on that defensive line, who is the seventh pick for the Panthers. It's a situation where I feel confident Kentucky's going to be good. Auburn's getting more attention because they're Auburn and they're ranked higher, and that's why the spread's at 7.5. I know this game's at Jordan-Hare. I think Kentucky can win it outright. I don't think they will. They'll maybe lose by a field goal. I like getting more than a touchdown here. So let's lay the Wildcats down for our second bet, plus seven in the hook. Put some money on it. Army, Cincinnati. I'm trying to figure out why this game has a total of 45 and a half. I don't understand it. I know Army, they can have long drives with the triple option and keep the ball, and it can be low scoring for those reasons. But Army has scored a hell of a lot of points already this year. And Cincinnati, I believe, to be the best team in the group of five. Strong defense Luke Fickle plays. But I think the winning team's going to score 30, and I don't see anybody being held under 20 points in this game. So this is easily, if I'm doing my math correctly, going to go over 45 and a half. This seems like stealing money. Army, Cincy, going over. 
put some money on it. NC State, I gave this one last segment. Six and a half point underdogs at Virginia Tech. I think we're going to learn Virginia Tech's missing some really key players. Maybe even their starting quarterback. Who knows? Hope Hendon Hooker, a triad guy, is able to go tomorrow. NC State impressed me last weekend. I didn't think they'd come out of the gate that hot. Plus six and a half at Virginia Tech. They're going to run the damn ball. And I think they win this game outright. Another upset. I think in the ACC, NC State beats Virginia Tech. And if they don't, I like the fact I got six and a half instead. Put some money on it. (laughs) That voice belongs to Mike Houston, ECU coach. This is a personal pick for me, Sawyer. East Carolina is playing top 20 ranked UCF. And the Pirates are getting 27. I'm not going to Notre Dame-Wake Forest because Notre Dame-Wake Forest isn't happening this weekend. So a game that was originally set for ESPN Plus at Dowdy Ficklin, their opener, is now being broadcast on ABC across the country. My Pirates are not going to embarrass themselves. UCF will win the game, but 27? Clearly, Vegas isn't giving any love to one Holton Nailers or Blake Prohl, who's one of the many Proles who have played football in the state of North Carolina. No respect being given to C.J. Johnson and Mike Houston, whose voice we hear on this segment each and every week when he told us that they were going to cover a 20-point spread against NC State, and then they didn't. Put some money on it. ECU plus 27 tomorrow. Purple! Pirates. Put some money on it. They're going to get the... They're not going to get the win, but they're going to cover... They're going to cover 27 points, and I'm going to drink several brewskis watching it. And there you go. South Carolina in review. Plus three and a half against Tennessee. Kentucky getting seven and a half at Jordan-Hare. Army and Cincinnati over the 45 and change. NC State plus a touchdown at Virginia Tech. And East Carolina covering 27. Those are my best bets. For the football weekend. Let's transition things to the NBA. The Nuggets have the Lakers right where they want them, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Down three to one again. Nah, I can't even do that segment with a straight face. However, I do still think this series can go seven games because Denver is just relentless. When they're down, they, they they're never down that they're never down long. They get back into the game. And they still have better three-point shooting than the Lakers. That's why I think for both the Lakers' short-term and long-term survival, it's in their best interest to win tomorrow night, to finish off the Nuggets, don't let this series go to Monday, don't let it go into next week. Because tonight, you got Game 4, Heat-Celtics, and I have a pretty strong feeling the Heat, they're going to finish off Boston tonight. When you see the mannerisms of Miami versus Boston, you can see why you value older teams in the NBA. Miami, they they have an experienced coach that's been there. They got Jimmy Butler, and they're following Jimmy's lead. And Jimmy, he seems like he'd punch anybody in the face who tries to celebrate after winning uh, game four, going up three games to one. Boston, meanwhile, is kind of all over the map. They can get discouraged. They can be really high. You know, 
it's hard to really peg where that team's at mentally. Miami just has killers, man. And tonight, I think they're going to finish things out. So if the Lakers want to win the title, and that's ultimately how LeBron's going to be judged in this bubble, fair or not. I don't want the older team getting less rest or far less rest than the team they're going up against. Because the longer this series goes, looking at the short term against the Nuggets, I said this yesterday, the bigger advantage the Nuggets get. I believe that was a factor in their last two series. Utah and the Clippers, they're two of the five oldest teams in the NBA. So the longer that series went, the Nuggets, who are, I think, the second youngest team in the bubble, they they had fresher legs, and they were a better three-point shooting team, and they found a way to win that series. So the longer this goes, the more concerned I am about the Lakers. I've always said they're going to win the series, but it wouldn't surprise me if this goes seven games. In fact, I still think that's where we're headed. I think the Nuggets are going to win tomorrow, and they're going to win a game 6-2. I think that will also hurt the Lakers' chances of winning in the finals. That isn't to say I'll pick against them, but if anybody's thinking this is going to be easy, LeBron in the cakewalk against Denver because they're up three games to one, they haven't been paying attention to much of what's already happened in the bubble, and they're also disrespecting what Jimmy Butler and Miami have been doing because that's nothing short of remarkable. Do you feel the same way about this? Do you think Miami's going to close things out, Sawyer? Um, yeah, I've been saying for a couple weeks now that I think Miami, generally I thought that the Clippers would probably uh, beat the Nuggets and then... What about tonight, though? Do you think tonight, Miami tonight, closes tonight closes. Tonight. Yeah, Miami closes it out. Tonight. Closing the door. That's what's going to happen tonight. I, I feel that's what's going to happen. So short-term, long-term survival, the Lakers, they play tomorrow night it's best that they take, put Denver out of their misery. That's the best thing they can do. All right. How close were the Panthers to pulling the trigger on a quarterback in the draft? Because we've got new info this week. And you're going to want to hear that. And the closest reporter to the situation, to the inside, is Joe Person from The Athletic, who's going to join our show next on The Drive. Was it difficult to just put pull out Justin Timberlake bumps for today, Sire? Did you have difficulty finding enough? I I could have gone 35, maybe if you would have let me. But All right, not, so not hard. I put on social media what is JT's best non sync song. And I think I got a list here. I got five. The five best ones. And I'll get to that after our conversation with Joe Person. But I'm interested. See, I ride or die with Coldplay, and I always have. That's my band. I'm not afraid to admit it, even though I get 40-year-old virgin references left and right every time I do admit it. And I fully expect that in my mentions in the next few seconds. Joe, give me some artist or band that just for decades you've been riding with and you always will. See, wow, I was all prepared to tell you about the Avet Brothers, but I am, I w- I'm a bandwagon jumper on the Avet Brothers. I did not know much about them until I moved to Charlotte, but then I, uh, so that's been, been about 10 years I've been on their band mm-hmm. bandwagon. Um, yep. I'm right there I'm, with you. 
I'm a Beatles guy. I like the Beatles a lot and have for years. Um, and I may not admit this uh, to too many people, but I, I, I don't mind a little uh, electric light orchestra from time to time. Wow, electric light orchestra. That's great stuff. Shoot Joe a follow on Twitter, at Joseph Person, especially to tell him how much you like electric light orchestra. If you're a big <laughs> Panthers fan, that's a plus as well. All right. Phil Snow yesterday was asked about Justin Herbert, and I don't think he meant to create headlines when he said he spent a lot of time watching tape, evaluating him, and then saying, yeah, we were looking at and considering drafting him. So I'm interested in what you've been told about the draft process because you're about as close to it as anybody covering the team. How seriously do you believe the Panthers looked at a quarterback, not just Herbert, but all the ones that might have been available at seven? So I was told they they did their homework on all the quarterbacks, including Joe Burrow, uh, which is interesting uh, for obvious reasons with his ties to uh, Joe Brady. Um, but here's what I, and and, that, and I I believe that to be true that they that they were uh, doing as I said doing their due diligence on on maybe the top couple three quarterbacks in the draft, and then Matt Rule said that. So, you know, he, he, he later on in the day, um, when, when we got him, and I think you were on that zoom, he said that, uh, it was a question I asked him and he said, look, my philosophy is we're going to, we're going to evaluate the top three or four quarterbacks in the draft every year, regardless of who's in our building. And, um, it doesn't mean we're going to draft them, but it could help us down the road if, if, uh, if one of them, you know, seven years down the road becomes a free agent and we're interested in, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I thought that was pretty interesting because I've been told since the time they signed Teddy Bridgewater that it, that would not um, prevent them, preclude them from drafting a quarterback in 2021. And, and listening to Matt Rule yesterday absolutely confirmed to me uh, what I was told and, and, you know, not that they've given up on Teddy Bridgewater, but they are always going to do their due diligence when it comes to the top quarterbacks in this draft. Sunday, or any draft. Sunday strikes me, Joe, as a game that's going to be decided up front and who's available for both teams. Carolina, they released their injury report earlier today. Russell Okun, their left tackle is questionable. Dennis Daly, doubtful going to miss Sunday's game and also doubtful on that list is KK Short the Pro Bowl defensive tackle for Carolina who missed last week's game I just have in front of me now in the last 10 minutes the Chargers inactives uh, or their injury report doubtful is Melvin Ingram on the D-line on the O-line Brian Balaga the right tackle they got from Green Bay and Trey Turner a familiar name they're questionable for Sunday's game assuming the doubtful players don't play, and the questionable ones play on either side, it still seems like to me this is a massive mismatch for Carolina up front, that the Chargers present an even bigger problem than Tampa Bay did last week. How do you read it? I, I'm kind of with you. I mean, losing Melvin Ingram would, would be a big blow, obviously, but they still have the Bosa kid. <laughs> And I know Bose has been dealing with a, a triceps injury, but but clearly, you know, not enough to to sideline him. You know, 
I, I'm just sitting down to, to kind of make my prediction for the athletic. And I mean, part of me wants to pick the Panthers. I, I think in, in part, because I, I have seen good things the last couple of weeks in, in, you know, in, 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 in flashes. And then the other part of me is like, well, I picked this team to win five games. <laughs> and if they don't win this week, when's their next real opportunity going to come? And, uh, but I'm with you, man. I, when, when you start thinking about no KK short, uh, you know, Dennis Daly missing another game and, and, and you're talking about the t- a team that creates pressure like the chargers do uh, versus a Panthers front four and front seven. That's gotten zero pass rush. It's hard. It's going to be hard for me to pick the the Panthers, and I'm I'm sure ultimately I'm going to go with the Chargers. It's Panthers reporter Joe Person with us here. Shoot him a follow at Joseph Person. Read his stuff in the Athletic. It seems like to me this week, really the next four weeks, as long as McCaffrey's out, is going to be very important for Curtis Samuel, who we saw in the backfield in Tampa uh, in Tampa, and you know only had two targets for 13 yards last week. There were big expectations in camp last year. We heard exciting things from him and Joe Brady and Matt Rule during the offseason, but he hasn't really done it on a consistent basis. We've only seen what he's capable of in flashes. He's a guy who can get carries. He's a guy who can catch passes, and a guy who generally absorbs a lot of those carries and targets is not in the lineup the next four weeks. In a contract year, how big are you willing to say the next four weeks is or are for Curtis Samuel, it's an important month for for Curtis Samuel to be sure, and you know I because it, it, at that point it becomes there have been three different offensive coordinators who've come through here at that point, and none of them has been able to do much with Curtis Samuel. It's not scheme. <laughs> at that point, it's just like you look like you should be good at football. You're fast enough. But for whatever reason, it ain't happening. And and right now, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson are out playing Curtis Samuel by a lot, and it's not close. And uh, you know, I get why Joe Brady says we got to get the ball to Curtis Samuel, but unless or until <laughs> DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson aren't being effective, or a team is trying to take one or both of them away, hard to take both of them away, but if they're starting to slant coverage toward one of those guys, unless that happens, I'm I'm going to continue going to them rather than Curtis Samuel because they've shown they can do it. And, um, you know, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, it, it's – I feel like we've had put up or shut up time a few different times during uh, Curtis Samuel's career, but this is the latest one, and it's probably the last one. You looking forward to seeing this new stadium? You know what? I'm going to be watching from my couch. We, uh, we at the Athletic, um, I, I, I went to Tampa last week, and I got to be honest, it's just there's just not enough payoff uh, without in person interviews. For to, to now, I may go to the divisional games, but to to get on a plane and wear a mask and and for four and a half hours and. It just doesn't. I appreciate you asking. I'd love to be there. I love going to these games, but we didn't think it was worth it. And uh, so I'll see you on the Zoom, man. The post game <laughs> Zoom. That's that's unfortunately the world we're 
we're living in, but, you know, everyone wears a mask and we can get a vaccine. Maybe we can all start going to more sporting events. David Hale, he made fun of my backdrop. And, I mean, I see your backdrop. It's a lot better than mine. I mean, I'm just in a dark, desolate room, which isn't great, (laughs) but oh well. Uh, Joe, welcome to 2020, and uh, thank you so much for spending the time. I know you're really busy. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate you, buddy. Have a good weekend. Yep, you too. On Twitter, at Joseph Person from The Athletic. All right, Sawyer, I pushed this off enough. Any songs that you would be upset are not included in the top five? Um, top five Justin Timberlake songs for those who just tuning in. I think My Love is probably on there. Maybe What Goes Around Comes Around should probably be on there, and the rest you can probably figure out for yourself. All right, let's get this thing started then. And it starts with number five, Summer Love. Okay, okay. I mean, just the line. Tell me how they got that pretty little face on that pretty little frame, girl. Oh, it's it's truly genius. It's just masterful. Number four, Cry Me a River. Ooh, that's you know it's a great song. I think about this with sometimes sometimes with the weekend. You know it's a great song where the words are irrelevant. Like, you find yourself dancing, you find yourself singing words that you don't know because the words don't matter. If a song is that good, it makes you do it. And Cry Me a River, my my God, just like when you hear the chorus, when you hear uh, the start of the song, it just, it makes you feel something. And that's a great song. Number three. Senorita. Mm -hmm. I see it. What's better, the first half of the song or the second half? Second half. I, I think yeah, so, too. Second half, I think, takes the cake. That's the only reason why it's not higher on this list, because you know you got to wait till the end of the song before you get the, it feels like something's heating up. Can I get with you? Sawyer! Mm, you can sing the next part, too, right? I don't know what Ooh. I'm thinking. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. All right. Number two. <sighs> I'm confident about the top two. But the order is difficult. I got my love at number two. Okay. Yeah. That is quintessential That's, Justin Timberlake. That is like if an alien in. came down to Earth and had never heard JT before. That's a song I would play so they would understand exactly who JT is. You got him singing really high, and then the parts that are clearly for dancing. That's quintessentially Justin Timberlake. Number one, Mears. I love this song, man. I love singing it in my car. I also love Justin Timberlake's wife, Jessica Beale, who it's about. There are few songs that are longer than eight minutes that I will listen to, but I will listen to the full version of this song because okay. it's that great. The, I was about to say the full version, it probably makes my top five, not the radio version. The full version definitely makes my top five. Right. So Mirrors is the number one Justin Timberlake song in my mind. Don't at me. The, do you want to know the first one out? Yeah. The UNC Greensboro of my Justin Timberlake list? <laughs> yeah. Love Stone. That's a good one. That's a like that's a kind of a vastly underrated. underrated. Yeah. Uh last places can't stop the feeling. It's just a brutal, terrible song. Terrible okay. brutal. It was made for awful a kids song. movie. I know it's, it's awful and it's terrible. I, I hate that song. I do not get in a good mood when I hear it. What is your number one favorite? 
Number one, give me two songs. I will allow you to give me number two very quickly. Or two quick uh, ones. Probably What Goes Around in My Love. Just I'm keeping it classic. I mean, there's so many probably newer ones that could make the cut too. Is, I don't know. I've got three things here after giving that top five list. Three things that the Panthers, if they execute on on Sunday, will give them a shot at pulling off the upset in L.A. I'll share those with you next on The Drive. I've never seen Sawyer so giddy to do the show. He gets to play Justin Timberlake each segment. He's as big of a Justin Timberlake fan as anyone I know. He also is great at playing it cool. He received a pick from JT at a concert, and he acted like it wasn't that big of a deal, albeit I still don't really buy that. But who is your ride-or-die musician or band? 336-777-1600. Mine is Coldplay. I'm not ashamed of it. Joe Person, he told us he was all in on the Avett brothers. I support that. I'm interested in what the great Kevin Harlan has to say in about an hour. Who some of his bands might be. Because I honestly don't know. He grew up in Wisconsin, went to Kansas. I think he still lives in the Midwest. I think he lives in Kansas City, but one of the best sports casters going right now, I'd argue the best, is going to join us in one hour. But it's time for our top 10 list. Top 10 bolts in honor of the Tampa Bay Lightning being in the Stanley Cup, up two games to one on the Dallas Stars. They have a game tonight. And the Panthers going up against the L.A. Chargers. Top 10 bolts. Submit your guesses at Sports Hub Triad on Twitter. Let's dive right into the list. I think you'll like this list, Sawyer. I do have a question. Did we stop doing the, oh, yeah, is that over with? I must have missed that because we didn't do it a couple weeks ago either. Yeah, just for the same reason I'm not a big fan of Dave Mishkin, I think at times people don't want to hear yelling, you know? So I just wasn't really feeling the yelling. I think you mature with age, and that's exactly what this show does. Mature is like a fine wine. Age is like a fine wine, I think is the expression. Number 10! My number 10 bolt. Usain Bolt. Ah! Headman! Okay, that was... For you, that's pretty predictable, but that's a good... I mean, he's got to be in the list, I feel like, somewhere. You can't have a top 10 list of bolts without Usain Bolt on it, is what you're saying. Number nine. Figured I'd get the obvious out of the way. Number nine bolt. Lou Bolts. Good old Lou Bolts going to be getting the Presidential Medal of Freedom. I don't know who Lou Bolts is. You don't know who Lou Bolts is? You put your pants on just like we do. Doesn't ring a bell. That's amazing. You don't know who Lou Bolts is. Former Notre Dame coach. I mean, whatever. We're going to be in rough shape if you don't know who Lou Bolts is for the rest of this list. Number eight, my number eight bolt, Martin St. Louis. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to say he's a Lightnings player. 
I don't know why you made lightnings plural. It's just lightning. But yeah, I was hoping one of those clips would be Martin St. Louis scoring a goal. He was always so, uh, so short. So I loved going to lightning hurricane games. And again, you can really pick out who doesn't know a lot about hockey if by just how much they yell, shoots, shoots. And another one that's great is, that guy's so little, how does he... How does he do all that? Hit him. He's little. Martin St. Louis wasn't really tall. He was a shorter player, but a really good player. He was on the Stanley Cup team when the Lightning won in 04. Some useless information that you didn't need. Number seven. My number seven bolt. Bolt, bolt. Good old bolt, bolt. I was hoping he'd get into the Lakers series, but we haven't really seen much of Bolt Bolt in this series. Okay, that's where I thought you were going with that. I just wanted to make sure, wanted you to clarify, but okay. yeah, yeah, just good old Bolt Bolt. That last clip was just brutal by that Tampa Bay announcer. It's really bad. It's worse. Number six, my number six Bolt, Roy Halladay's of Thunder. It's hurting my ears. <laughs> Who thinks this is good? I guess Lightning fans, but it's just evidence that if fans feel like you're one of theirs, it really doesn't matter what words come out of your mouth or how you say it. I, I had to sit through this for like 15 minutes, so just be lucky you're only getting a couple <laughs> seconds. Number five, my number five bolt. Al Michaels Bolton. Johnson! Johnson! That that one was bad. <laughs> yeah. Johnson! Johnson! It reminds me of a famous vine that was once done, or it might have just been a popular YouTube video that wasn't a vine. Where there's a talking cat, the cat sounds like it's talking, and it says, "Oh, love Johnson." <laughs> Not seen oh, that. love Johnson. That's the next thing we need to look up before we're out of here. The talking cat that says, "Olaf Johnson." It's a good find. Number four, by number four, Bolt, Houston Nuts and Bolt. Three, two, one. Series over. Houston nuts and bolts is kind of what I was going for there. I think really what people are listening for now is the clips, <laughs> which is kind of bumming me out because I work really hard on this list. And your 15 minutes of pulling these clips is kind of stealing the show. Number three, my number three bolt, Flash Davis. <laughs> oh, a remix. A duet! Somebody throwing oh, an unbelievable. unbelievable! Oh! Oh! I'm sorry, I was trying to talk over it. Not quite sure who that is, but it is a duet. Yeah, good luck, whoever's trying to talk over him. Number two! My number two, Bolt. Bolt McCoy. The Lightning are gonna play for the Stanley Cup! Yes, they are. 
Yes, they are. And they are up two games to one going into game four tonight. And number one, number one on my list, top ten bolts, Winston-Salem Dash mascot, Bolt. Terrific stuff. Sawyer, I'm going to filibuster as long as you need me to for calls. 336-777-1600 on Twitter at Sports Hub Tryin. And also because I want, at the end of this, there's the one where he said Johnson, which I think was number five on this list. The one where his voice is cracking. I mean, really, his voice is cracking the entire time. But the one where he's talking about Johnson, as I get to this caller here, I want you to find the cat video on YouTube where the cat is saying Olaf Johnson so then we can compare that side by side to the exasperated Dave Mishkin saying Johnson with his voice cracking. Let's go to Mark in advance. Mark. We lost Mark. Okay, we lost Mark. Wanted to see what he thought about this list. I was fine. I think the list is fine. But, you know, the Dave Michigan stuff probably is the more polarizing stuff here. I'm still down for filibustering until you find this cat clip, though, because I believe it's that good. And while you're doing that, some other things that were on the outside looking in. Things that were being considered but didn't make the cut. Lightning McQueen. Didn't make the cut. Daryl Dawkins' Chocolate Thunder didn't make the cut. Just tough breaks there. All right, do we have this sound? We have the sound. All right, let's hear it. <laughs> it's pretty good. Now let's hear it next to, I think it was number five on this list, the one where he's saying Johnson's name. Well, nah, it might not be number four. Might have to or go not number four. Number four, number six. I, I want to try number four now. Well, not that one. Probably number six. Johnson! Johnson! So there's that. And then there's the cat video. Comparing and contrasting. <laughs> and there you have it. My top 10 bolts list. What was, what was this top 10 list? It's the bolts. Oh. That's what it was for. Yep. Ryan tweets in, how did you forget Tory Bolt? Damn it. That's going to ruin my weekend for getting Tory Bolt on this list. If only you knew how much these lists uh, mean to me. Tory Bolt. How did I forget about that? You're such an idiot, Josh. Coming up. <laughs> the least sexy Panthers analysis that you're going to find anywhere. Keep it here on a Friday drive.